Strong-willed children, more than anything, need a strong-willed mom. And so, and they can also be our greatest gift because often they can be a mirror to us of what's not, <laughs> what's not pretty about ourselves sometimes, and also areas for us to change. And so when I'm working with a mother and we're unpacking what's really going on in her home, especially if she has a spirited child or rude child or just a child going through a difficult stage, Mm -hmm. I always like to remind her that it is a gift. And how are we going to find the silver lining in this? Mm -hmm. Um, Because once that happens, often it shifts the perspective. If you really believe that your child is, was put here to make you a better human being. Your daily lesson in how are you going to show up with inspiring mutual respect. Welcome blissful parents out there. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Blissful Parenting Facebook page. I'm your host, Michelle Abraham, and uh, welcome to my guest, Kelly Nolt today. Kelly, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you here. Let me tell our audience a little bit about Kelly. Um, Kelly is a recovering people pleaser <laughs> and, a jo- <laughs> and a joyfully parenting counselor. So Kelly, for 24 years, struggled with a strong-willed child whose superpower was finding all her child discipline loopholes. Uh, Then she got help plus a master's degree in counseling. How amazing is that? And so um, I think Kelly is just an amazing person, has so much great information for you guys. And like she says, like we say in our title here, parenting that strong-willed child ain't for wimps. (laughs) So us strong moms and dads out there, uh, we're not going to get run over by these strong-willed child. She's going to give us some tips today on how strategies on how to really navigate those strong-willed kids. So thank you, Kelly, for being with us. Yay, it's so wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me. Hey, you're welcome. This is so much fun. I just love talking to uh, parenting experts and, you know, everyone we talk to just brings such a different kind of light to the subject. So Kelly, let's dive in. We heard a little bit about your background when we got started, but tell us about your strong-willed child experience. (laughs) Yeah. So the amazing thing is I have a strong-willed child that I actually birthed myself, but it started (laughs) way back over two decades ago, which is hard to say, but it did. I was working with children with special needs and children that frankly others had given up on. And I, there was two brothers, no one would work with them. The last person who did, they beat up on the public transit system on the bus. And I went in there thinking this would be a piece of cake. And um, the night a dessert plate went flying past my head, I realized I was in way over my head. And it was one of those really humbling moments that some of us parents who, I just had a girlfriend yesterday tell me that one of her friends who's not a parent had been to her house for dinner and then had left and texted her saying, you know, you really need to get your parenting, you know, together, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? Like, and so I was that annoying. I don't think I was that annoying. And we didn't have texts at that time. So I wouldn't have, unless someone asked me for it, but I really thought I knew what I was doing Mm -hmm. and I didn't. Um, And these boys were also blind from birth. So I ended up um, living with them for over seven years. And one of them in particular, when he wasn't bouncing off the walls, he was literally pounding on them. So the really cool thing is that 
it gave me such a great in the trenches lab, a parenting lab, mm-hmm. because I was living there um, that I'm so grateful for and made such a huge difference. And the really neat thing was that what I feel so grateful for is that learning some of the tools and being able to test things out and maybe not be as, um, maybe not have my buttons pushed quite as much before becoming a mom really <laughs> than when I did come become a mom as well. I totally agree. I mean, I didn't have it as an extreme case as you, but I did get to work in childcare for about 10 years before having my own kids. And I was like, this childcare work is going to make having my own kids a lot easier. I think my kids seem to be so much better behaved, but I thought that. And then it's not always true, but it did help me for sure. No, but you know, and maybe actually that's a good idea. Maybe when you're pregnant with your first, they really should like, you should do like two months worth of just volunteer childcare somewhere. Um, yeah. Might open your eyes a bit. I totally agree. Before it happens and you're like, ah. Yeah. Or maybe before, like kind of in the childbirth, like in the birth control stage. So I was always said to my, we always joke that I was like working in childcare was the best birth control ever. <laughs> you know, you love these kids, you love them, but you're like, whoo, at the end of the day, that's so great. <laughs> Leave them there. Um, and so, yeah, having your own then, uh, how did that, how did, how did that well, how did that come about? Well, we know how that came about. He had a baby <laughs> and as your son grew up, he became a strong real child as well. You know, it's interesting. I feel very blessed and grateful that I have people who actually say it was really sweet. There was one, we live in a very small community where everyone kind of knows one another. It's like one big high school, essentially. And one of the dads came up to me and he said, you know, Kelly, I wish you had been my mom. And I thought, which was such a great compliment. Now, he also doesn't see me as many of us do. Some of us can make it look really easy on the outside and in public, But what goes on, you know, under our roof is a whole different story. Mm -hmm. However, I feel really confident as a parent. Doesn't mean I don't get exhausted. Doesn't mean I don't get frustrated. Doesn't mean I don't want a vacation now and again from being a mom. Um, But it's because I go back to what I call the smart mom path, which are Mm -hmm. tools. I really see it as three steps. And the the first one I call the love foundation, which is um, an acronym for living our values every day. And I have so many moms come to me in coaching sessions and they'll be struggling with um, bedtimes that are a nightmare. They'll be struggling with um, children who are just having major meltdowns or ones who are a little bit on the rude spectrum that are telling them off or questioning them all the time. And it's interesting because there's so many great tools out there. And I'm sure you have all these great parenting experts that come on here and have their spiel and have their little tool chest of parenting stuff. But really, when it comes down to it, if those tools aren't in harmony and aren't um, kind of a, a perfect fit for your own personal mom type and also for what you value, you won't do it. And or you might do it, but the intent won't be there that it won't actually work. And that's when you can feel really frustrated or a parenting tip will work for a while. And then suddenly you're like, what the heck? They just, you know, you use the, you know, the naughty mat or something. And then suddenly their kid says, yeah, I moved the naughty mat. The naughty <laughs> mat is now outside in the playground. You know, or, mommy, you go on the naughty, na- naughty you mat. Naughty, you know, exactly. And then you're like, OK, what now? 
And so whenever I give advice or tips, number one, I always want to remind moms that they need to be in the driver's seat and they need to figure out what that driver's seat looks like, what that car looks like, and more importantly, have the map of where they want to go and what that looks like. And so it's kind of like that rocking chair test people talk about. It's like, you know, at the end of your life, when you're rocking, you know, on your little rocking chair, asking yourself, you know, how do you want your kids to grow up? What values do you want? And what do you want them to say about you as well? So it's not just that destination, but what's that journey in that, you know, that car through life uh, parenting journey that you're taking? Wow. Yeah, that's really important. And that's, it's good to take a like step back and like, I think we as parents are so in it that it's hard to take a step back and look at it. And like, especially right now, I mean, like so many kids are home from school and, you know, we're all crammed into houses and self-isolating and all these crazy things. So I think it's really important. I'd like what you said is taking a step back and really taking a look at what to, how do we want to show up as a parent and, and uh, in that way. And I love one thing, one of the things that you say, Kelly, is that child tantrums and child fights are a dedicated mom's greatest gift. And I think that when I first read that, I was like, what? <laughs> so I'd love for you to dive into that a little bit and just unpack it for us. Sure. Thanks. So when I say that temper tantrums and fights are a dedicated mom's greatest gift, I sincerely believe that because oftentimes when things are status quo or things are okay, we don't change. But it's not until kind of the baby poop hits the fan or, you know, that it gets to a crescendo where we're like, okay, enough. Like this is not, we cannot co coexist like this. That that's when we often see a real 180 where things get a lot better for moms. So and then the other part is I feel that strong-willed children, more than anything, need a strong-willed mom. And so, and they can also be our greatest gift because often they can be a mirror to us of what's not, what's not pretty about ourselves sometimes, and also areas for us to change. And so when I'm working with a mother and we're unpacking what's really going on in her home, especially if she has a spirited child or rude child or just a child going through a difficult stage, mm -hmm. I always like to remind her that it is a gift. And how are we going to find the silver lining in this? Mm -hmm. um, because once that happens, often it shifts the perspective. If you really believe that your child is, was put here to make you a better human being like and this is your course you know that's free actually well, not going to say that they cost a lot <laughs> they do but but you know your daily lesson in how are you going to show up with inspiring mutual respect how are you going to show up where you are going to have some compassion in your life how are you going to show up where you can actually inspire and motivate and those are some really tough questions, but I think until we see it as a gift, we keep mm -hmm. um, we keep fighting against it. And mm -hmm. you know what we resist persists, and mm -hmm. that can be a real challenge, especially when we're not yet ready to embrace the gift in it. And mm -hmm. you know, believe you me, you know, I think about you know the night that dessert plate went flying past my head. That did not feel like a gift. Like that felt like H E L L. Like an I was in it, you know. And so, I really appreciate what you just brought up, Michelle. Is that during this crazy time of 
COVID where we are self-isolating, especially for the moms who are working at home or who are not used mm-hmm. to having kids 24 seven. It can be even more of a pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. And so one of the, one of the tools I teach in my courses and, and when I'm working one-on-one is what I call the smart mom tithing. And so many of us have heard about, you know, tithing 10% and, and there's huge benefit to that. But what I'm talking about with the Smart Mom Tithing Program is actually, if you think about the energy and nurturing you do every single day, even when you're not with your child. And, you know, for some moms who are at work or doing something else, often they're, you know, getting that next play date going or getting that next book on Amazon for them or whatever it is. If we took 10% of that energy and put it to ourselves, Mm-hmm. The transformation that can happen from that is massive. And especially, you know, I believe that there's four mum types. And one of the mum types that comes up most often with the strong little child is monster mom. And she ain't pretty, but she's a force <laughs> to be reckoned with. And the good thing about our monster mom personas or our monster mom moments is that there's a lot of passion behind them. And if we're able to use that passion to sidestep the power struggles and real magic. And mm. again, I believe that every strong-willed child needs a strong-willed mother. And so, you know, for those moms listening right now, and you might've just had a monster mom moment where, you know, some of us can then wake up in the middle of the night and think, ah, I shouldn't have done that. You know, should I apologize in the morning and racked with a bit of that mom guilt? The cool thing about it is that if you are able to harness it or to start looking at some of that smart mom tithing I was talking about is I don't know what it is for you, but you need to know what it is for you. Mm -hmm. And until we really do, we can't show up as the mothers our children deserve. And it's so difficult to do. And it's one of the most important things to do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's something moms struggle with so much is like filling their cup. It's like that, the airplane mask (laughs) putting on before, before you put on anyone else's, right? Like you have to, you have to do that. And, you know, moms are so giving with their time and energy and, you know, and then trying to manage a million things at the same time. And, you know, it's so hard for moms to do that. But, you know, I think like you said, just a few minutes. And I think the change that's really going to happen in the world is going to actually start with moms. So really moms taking care of themselves so that the change happens in their own environment at home is going to ripple out into the world. So that is like a super key key component to the change that we want to see in the world is really making sure moms are taken care of. Yeah. Michelle, I'm, I'm just one second. My power, power (laughs) out of the wall and I don't want to be unplugged from this great conversation. (laughs) No problem. Michelle. Now I'm curious. Can you tell me more about that? You think moms will change the world? Cause I agree as well. And I'd love to know yeah, what what your take is? Wait a second, that. who's interviewing Hugh here? Know, no, I'm just kidding. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I love it's, it. It's my counselor hat. It's really hard to take it off. <laughs> so fun. No, I love it. No, I really do think that you know when moms are feeling good about themselves and parenting well and having great relationships within their house with their spouses and with their children. And as a family unit, unit, you're thriving, your kids are going to go out into the world 
your spouse is going to go out into the world and be great humans. And we need more great humans out in the world. And so if we are tired, exhausted, cranky, yelling, fighting all the time in the home, kids are developing all sorts of anxieties and stresses and they're going out into the world and lashing out against other kids or other teachers or whatever, then that's creating that ripple effect out there. So starting backwards into the home, I think is really important. <laughs> are we on the same team? <laughs> yes, totally. I was going to say, you know, Michelle for prime minister, Michelle for prime minister. <laughs> I'd vote for you. You know, I've had some great education over the last few years interviewing all these amazing parenting experts. <laughs> Not perfect. It's a work in progress constantly. So, I mean, for us, one of the things that we struggle with in our household is that we have grandparents living with us too. So now those kids have four parents on them. So can you just for my own benefit, <laughs> and maybe this will help some other families that are living in multi-generational houses that maybe the generations, things have changed and shifted with the way parents are, you know, acting and dealing. So what are some ways that we can kind of um, have a thriving household and, and, and working with our strong-willed kids without maybe interrupting everything in the house with the generations? <laughs> Yeah, I think when you've got other generations, and I used to have my dad and grandmother who lived right next door to us. And so we had four generations mm -hmm. on our block as well. So I think having a conversation when the kids aren't there about how to best work and what would be mm -hmm. supportive to every adult in that situation mm -hmm. is a really important conversation to have. But if, especially if you're feeling frustrated where you're feeling undermined or you're feeling rules are changed, you know, no, none of us are going to agree 100% on everything. That's mm -hmm. a given. But to actually figure out how, when you are disagreeing, what that's going to look like, especially in front of the kids. Mm -hmm. And so, and how can it still be respectful of, oh, look at this, you know, grandma and I, we don't agree on this. And that's interesting because as you become older, you get to choose what, how you decide. But at least having a um, baseline of mm -hmm. rules is really, really important. And especially if you have another family member who's a bit defensive about it, I think mm -hmm. um, coming alongside them with starting the conversation of, we love having you as part of the family. And, you know, what an amazing thing it is that we're all under the same roof together. And I just want to make this a great experience for all of us. And would you help mm -hmm. me out? There's some things I'm, I'm wondering about, and I would love to have your input on it as well. So that it's mm -hmm. an open conversation, because I feel like so often we leave it when the pressure cooker, and then there's those little things we let go, and we let go, and we let mm -hmm. go. And then, you know, when mama ain't happy, nobody happy. And, you know, um, and that's a challenge. Does that help at all? Yeah, no, it definitely helps. Yeah, I think having open communication, I think, always helps, right? Just having that, you know, and like maybe, you know, things have changed in the world since generations were parents as well, older generation. So just having that open conversation of how, you know, you see, and maybe going back to that original vision that we were talking about at the beginning, right? How do you envision your car to look and who's in it? So designing it as a, as a unit, I think maybe would be a good, a good step too. Um, Kelly, I want to go back to the, the child, the child tantrums again, and the child fights. Do you, in your opinion, um, 
you call them a gift, which I think that's great. And is that that because as they're exploding and there's some, some, some behavior going on there that you're able then to decide what it is that they're missing and needing to then correct that behavior? Is that what you think? Mm-hmm. Part of part of the parcel for sure. So mm-hmm. part of it is that whenever they're whenever we're confronted with a meltdown or a fight, it's always mm-hmm. you know a lot of times parents come to me and they're like, okay, this is the problem. They're melting down all the time. This is the problem. I'm like, no, no, no. This is actually the solution your child has found to a problem they have. What mm-hmm. we need to do is figure out what the real problem is. So I mean, going back to the basics, like, are they just hungry? Mm-hmm. Are they just tired? Are they just overwhelmed because they've been at school all day? Or they've been at school during COVID and, you know, they can't hold their friend's hand and they're so stressed about that. I don't know. But our job is to put on our kind of x-ray vision mom glasses and Mm -hmm. say what's really going on. And then the other part of the gift is that it's always an opportunity to And so... You know, it's interesting. I sometimes in our, our small community here, I get called in when there's not um, an educational assistant at the school. And so I got to go in during June, which is social isolation time. And and it was fascinating because I had really connected with this one little boy who's in grade one. Sweet as a bat in the lava. And then we were out on recess. And one of the things all the teachers were supposed to be looking for is to make sure that there, there are social distancing. And he was holding his friend's hand and I was like, Oh, it's so great that you guys are having a great time. We just need to drop our hands right now. And he looked <laughs> And I was like, okay, we're having a COVID meltdown now. And, you know, and so for me, the first thing is to, because if I just instantly see it as a problem, or in the past, when I have had a child, I remember yeah, it, it almost like I get my heart palpitations thinking about it because he had a meltdown in a McDonald's in the food fair with like hundreds of eye, <laughs> eyewitnesses and mm-hmm. he's screaming. It can be really embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And so if we go into that and start telling the story about who we are, who we're not being, how we're being judged, which is so easy to do, mm-hmm. then we're not really putting on those mom glasses I mentioned of the x-ray vision of what do they need? Mm -hmm. And so just being reminded of that, because then I could say, you know what? It's so hard right now, isn't it? And he was like, you know, and he was just going on. And so it was just, just let him spew for a while. And then I could just do a quick distraction action of, Hey, I noticed you were making smoothies with mud over there. What kind of smoothie can you make me? And off he went and he was happy Mm -hmm. again. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's all those, this is all common sense and all the moms right now. Mm-hmm. Have for. And so if I can just, it's just not commonly used. And I think yeah. that a part of the reason it's not commonly used, you know, one of the mom, I talked to, talked about the mom, um, monster mom, but the other mom that I have four, but one of the other moms I want to mention today is the mission driven mom. And a lot of those mission driven moms are the moms who are, you know, either doing the PTA or PATH or they're doing the volunteering or they have sideline jobs or they have full-time jobs. And I think we forget that it wasn't that long ago that our moms or at least our grandmothers were full-time stay-at-home moms. And that was a full-time job. Mm -hmm. Full stop, (laughs) end. 
And I think we forget just how much we do and how much we put onto our own shoulders. And I mean, being a recovering people pleaser, I know this so well because the person I wasn't pleasing was myself. And then I got chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia and a whole host of other wonderful things. Um, and, and I wasn't the mom that I wanted to be and that my family deserved to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a familiar story too, right? Like, you know, we go through burnout. We try to do so much and so many things and try to be all things. And then it kind of crumbles uh, like her previous guest, she says, talking about the cookie crumbles, <laughs> you got to pick up all the pieces again. And so, yeah. Are there um, things that you think, Kelly, um, that could really help parents um, when they're trying to figure out, you know, where this behavior is coming, making sure that they're like kind of diffusing the situation in a way that's productive instead of um, kind of throwing oil on the fire? <laughs> Totally. So the remember I talked about the first step was um, L-O-V-E, the living our values every day. For me, mm -hmm. the second step is finding those biology boosters. And so mm -hmm. the biology boosters for me is knowing your child. So I've been talking a lot about the mom type, but I also mm -hmm. to really know what your child needs, especially when it's in times of stress. And this mm -hmm. is so important right now. And so things like decent food, water, sleep, and also downtime, all of those things are critically important. And with strong-willed children as well, you know, the other thing I really want to say is I find that there's a lot of moms maybe who have that recovering people pleaser or not in recovery yet, <laughs> perhaps, um, who also, because they care so much and it comes from such a great intention, they don't want to squash their child's spirit. Mm -hmm. But I feel that there's that fine line to walk of not wanting to, wanting your child to be able to self-express, mm -hmm. but also making sure that there's the mutual respect side. Because leading a child and unintentionally leading them where I feel I've seen um, styles that can handicap a child down the road because other kids don't like them. Their teachers don't like them. Mm -hmm. Other, you know, and they know it's not fun to be unlikable. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not to say you have to be likable to everyone, but at least mm -hmm. having, you know, a basic um, sense of respect for others. Mm -hmm. And so that's the other thing I would just caution is just making sure that it's like finding the Goldilocks sweet spot. Mm -hmm. that you don't want it too hot where you're coming down too hard, but you also don't want to be, there's another moment called the modeling clay mom, where you don't want them to just, you know, know all their buttons that you can push and that they're walking all over you and walking all over other people as well. Because mm -hmm. yeah, that's not that's helpful amazing. to you or anybody else in terms of where we're going in the world here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And okay, so now you've left us in suspense. We've talked about three types of moms. What's the fourth one? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, the fourth one is what I call the smart mom. And mm -hmm. smart stands for simple, meaningful actions repeated over time. Mm -hmm. So for me, a lot of people have heard of that 80-20 rule. 
And so discovering what is that 80-20 for your family. So it's, I don't know, have you heard, you've probably heard of the 80-20 rule and I know we're running out of time Mm -hmm. here, but it's just making sure that the time you do put in is giving Mm -hmm. you the greatest output possible. And that a lot of times it's just those tinkering with those little things that can make all the difference, but it's making Mm -hmm. sure that we're being consistent with them as well. Mm, that makes so much sense. And, you know, I really appreciate you sharing those like four kinds of mom types. And I think, I mean, for me, I saw a bit of myself in all of them. So it's good to kind of like see where you're at, what things that you can work on. And I know this is something that you help moms do and help moms take them through this process. So tell us a little bit about more, Kelly, as we wrap up the interview, where can we find out more information about you? Where can we uh, connect with you? And uh, yeah, where else can we get more Kelly awesomeness? (laughs) So nice to talk with you, Michelle. Really. uh, Yeah. Thank you for this. Um, you know, the best part would be going on to Facebook, Kelly Nault. It's spelled N-A-U-L-T, rhymes with salt, um, at Joyfully Parenting. And so, and also joyfullyparenting.com. I've got a free webinar um, for moms that have a strong-willed child under their roof. And I'm actually really excited because I'm just in the process of finishing, and it should be out within this next week. Um, a what's your mom type quiz that will take you through so you can figure out what is your predominant mom type. And then I do a small 15 minute training session video that you can see when you get your results as well. Cool. That sounds awesome. Everyone loves figuring out what kind of type there are. Quizzes are so amazing. So looking forward to taking that quiz and seeing what part of which of those moms you suggested that I fit into. So I love, I love that. Um, So guys, I will put the Kelly's information into the chat box on Facebook. And that Kelly, I want to thank you so much for spending your time with us today. It's been super valuable. So many great nuggets of information. And guys, please reach out to Kelly if you need anything. Great. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. And thanks, Blissful Parenting parents out there for joining us on the Facebook page. Remember, we'll be here again next Friday, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, where we hope to see you again. And uh, until then, be blissful. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com. Thank you.